Part eight of the Blue Review, Volume One, Number Two, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Theatre, Cap, Bells, and Legs by Gilbert Cannon. It is extraordinary how scattered are the impressions to be got in the theatres of London. A good piece of acting here, a colour there, a witticism or two in another place, a tune in another. When you disentangle them, you will find always that each moment of pleasure came by accident and existed entirely apart from the general intention. There is a comedy at the little theatre by a new and rather skilful writer, a Mr. Vansittart, who dons the cap and bells and jingles them for a couple of hours, during which, and to their accompaniment, a comic drama ought to have started, reached its climax, and come to a close. But, though there was a company of very competent actors on the stage, nothing was heard but the accompaniment, so that I was constantly reminded of an undergraduate neighbour I once had, who evolved an unvarying accompaniment of C, E and G in waltz time for every tune that happened to stick in his unmusical memory. Impossible when he played to distinguish anything but his thudding accompaniment. It may be said that as a critic I have no business when witnessing a play to go back over the years to undergraduate memories. In the theatre, drama can hold my attention, and I believe everybody else's, and I can think of nothing else when it is presented on the stage. When it is absent, my faculties are not engaged, and any wandering idea can creep into my head. That this happens to other critics is shown by the Comte Rondeau in the newspapers. That Mr. Vansittart's cap and bells played the old C, E and G refrain is regrettable. But, having tested my power to respond to drama with Hamlet at Drury Lane, I refused to believe that the fault was more mine than the author's. I wish him well, and pass on to record other disappointments. The New American Review at the London Opera House has a good illustrated paper kind of poster of a merveilleuse lady, which has only had an effect on me in one place. There is a certain wall in a main thoroughfare which proved too small for its length. The bill-sticker, concerned only to fulfil his functions and caring nothing for anatomy, has folded up the bottom third of the picture so that the lady's leg, attractively revealed by an aperture in her gown, grows out of her waist. This fascinated me, and when I saw the review, I found that this poster gives a truer idea of the performance than its more fortunate duplicates do. At the London Opera House, the ladies' legs do grow out of their waists, or, at least, such is my impression. They have a great many legs, but every attempt I made to count them was baffled, for they were forever on the run, running out of nothing into nothing, aimlessly, without purpose, without humour, without zest. There was one period when I thought I should achieve my reckoning, but suddenly sixteen legs disappeared into a pool of water, and I had to begin again. And before that, I had been put out by the entertainment taking a sudden plunge into Max Reinhardt's Arabian Nights, so that I was forced into a curious contemplation of two pairs of male legs. Till then, I had decided that the purpose of the entertainment was to display a large selection of female legs, 
but when i was presented with these four two white and two stained brown my ideas were upset and i was set wondering why four male legs should be enough for the female public of london while for the male public an unascertainable number should be necessary the problem is still unsolved though it remains interesting there was no effective humour in the display very little musical ability no romance no intelligence hardly any of the qualities with which in musical comedy and english reviews the appeal of legs is salted here bluntly and most expensively was the stage used to satisfy that element in human nature upon which Muhammad founded a vision of paradise less efficient than the one prophet the americans responsible for this colossal success have bungled their use of the material and give the impression that female legs grow out of the female waist perhaps my friend the bill sticker had seen the show and had been horrified into an access of honesty for certainly his is the only poster that gives a correct idea of the new review and it remains its aptest criticism a wicked spirit of irreverence almost drives me to wish that there were a few pairs of legs in strife respect for the play and its author however win the day the back cloth of the speech scene in strife is a picture of welsh hills these and the action that takes place among them call back to the mind that there are winds in the world winds and foul weather and a hard living to be gained harsh facts from which our townish huddling away leads us to take a dull delight in caps and bells and legs to read the word strife and the name john goldsworthy in the list of plays is to be braced to new hope to attend the play is to have the comforting assurance that here at least is one man in the theatre who will not fawn upon his audience or leer at it or mule at it or strut before it but one who to the best of his ability will in terms of the theatre set before his audience the facts that have stirred his emotion and by his arts lead them into sharing his feeling his desire his warm perception of the forces that play about and through human action he is an upright man that will not indulge in showman's tricks nor mental tricks nor make any appeal save through his art and the legitimate use of the machinery at his disposal it is rather his sense of law and order than his sense of justice that will not let him allow his conflicting forces actually come to grips and makes him state rather than reveal deal with types rather than characters that must be granted him it is in his attitude in his essence what is so valuable is that within its scope his art is admirably disciplined economical and effective his is a stern wistfulness which is the most telling antidote to caps bells and legs these also are good things admirable in their place but if they are not used in terms of the theatre they are as distasteful as any other raw material as distasteful as mr goldsworthy's emotions would be if he were ever slovenly enough to dump them down on the stage without moulding them into form really the whole problem is resolved into a question of the right use and the wrong use of the theatre caps bells and legs are every bit as good as wistful emotions if they are rightly used 
the performance of strife at the comedy reveals an efficiency which is not to be found at any other theatre except perhaps on a lower level the royalty what a fortune the man will make who discovers the right use of legs in the theatre stravinsky and fokin are very near it end of part eight